You're listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast with me, Jason Hunt. The mission with this show is to discuss all things marketing, sales, and mindset. It's my hope for entrepreneurs like you to get the most from your efforts so that you can focus on what you do best. Let's go. You're listening to episode 193 of the Merged Marketing Podcast. In this episode, we're talking about unleashing the potential for e-commerce growth. My guest on today's episode is Mataz Kemzura. Mataz is coming to us all the way from Lithuania. He's Sugatan's chief growth officer and has single-handedly spent over 75000 in daily ad spend. I bumped into Mataz uh, months ago at a trade show in Istanbul where he was a speaker on stage and I was introducing him and we did it all again months ago in Bucharest, Romania. So through these experiences of meeting Mataz, sharing food and drinks with him, I got to know him really well, but I also got to know his expertise in e-commerce and get to understand his knowledge and why he would be a perfect fit to talk about this topic on the podcast. If you're an e-commerce business owner, you're not going to want to miss this episode. Without further ado, let's kick it to my chat with Mataz Kemzura. Mataz Kemzura, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me here. How are you today, Jason? Doing good. Doing good. Okay. So before we get into the weeds, let's talk about your background and your beginnings and what led you to your journey into marketing. Everything started with a kid that had a lot of dreams. And I started all of this when I was 16, I think. And just exploring, you know, the beginning of everything was super random. I was just looking for any job. And back when I was in school and I found like a job for social media manager, that was like, what now? Nine years ago, I think something like that. Back then the Shopify just started was like Shopify 1.0 version with super old school admin panel and everything. And I don't even remember what I was doing in that social media like role. But the funny thing that the funny story that I'll always remember is that my boss back then one day just sends me this Shopify URL and he has just researched what the fuck the Shopify is because it was just released. In the beginning, I thought that it's a place to advertise your product somehow. That was literally like the best definition of my skill set was absolutely zero. I couldn't understand what Shopify is at the beginning, but then automatically I had to learn because I had to like train my boss on whatever the Shopify is. So I went, started doing a lot of YouTube, then discovered dropshipping, then discovered that buying. And then somehow like automatically all of that hooked me up. I guess the whole thing was this potential and power that you can have of reaching people anywhere around the world, right? sitting in your small room in Lithuania being like 16, 17 years old and having the ability to do big things and reach people. So it started from there and then I did a lot of drop shipping, failed, I don't even know how many times, like probably first three, four years was failure after failure, just losing all of my money, then finding a way how to earn money and then lose it all again, something along those lines. Because basically I was like self-made from the very beginning. A lot of YouTube, a lot of shitty fake courses that I spent so much money on and <laughs> got no value back from all of that in most cases. And step by step, experience started getting in. I found my way into, into Subutan and that's where I had those perfect conditions to grow, you know, and bloom, I guess. A really amazing team, you know, with a unique approach and mindset to people, to businesses, to personal growth, not only business growth, et cetera, et cetera. And 
I guess I just always had this inner curiosity, you know, to try to innovate, to understand things, ask questions that maybe don't even have the answers, like really tough, difficult questions, but the whole process of just being curious and trying to innovate just always leads to something new. And automatically from that curiosity, it's happened that, that started developing these like systems and projects and strategies, mainly from ad buying side, because my background was mainly ad buying. Was spending over two mil a month by myself on Facebook ads when I was actively ad buying. And innovation just led me to a place where I'm trying to stay ahead of competition, ahead of game, and lead instead of follow like what's happening in, in, in the current, you know, e-com game, basically. Yeah, you went from director of acquisition to head of growth to chief growth officer at Sugatan. Yeah, um, I actually joined us as junior. <laughs> In the very beginning, because like I didn't have a lot of experience with spending like on US accounts, only like Lithuanian accounts. So I was like, guys, I didn't give a shit. Just give me whatever. I don't care what you pay me. Just give me like a role. Give me like conditions to touch real big accounts and let me show you what I can do. And so then you had the opportunity, obviously, you helped the company grow. And what do you attribute to the growth? What was it? Was there a secret sauce you were doing for e-commerce clients with Facebook ads at the time that was working really well? Maybe you can talk a little bit about that blueprint and what you found worked best for the accounts that you were crushing it with. Jason, throughout the years, it's now a clear pattern that every year there's one or two big new things that I develop. So like I can talk a lot about individual results, but individual examples, sorry, but most of them are currently outdated and the innovation process is constant even now. Summers like August usually is very busy to me because around August, I always aim to get my second new thing for this year before the Q4. So one of the things that never will change and is like a a key difference, I believe, is the way my philosophy of how I try to manage money and investments and basically ad spend. So everything started maybe roughly four years ago. And it started basically from, again, just being curious and analyzing data because we get a lot of inquiries of consulting clients or whatever. And as always, you do audits and analyze and try to identify their problems or whatever, low-hanging fruits, or whatever that be. And from analyzing a lot of businesses, it started randomly and maybe it was a luck. Maybe it was, I don't know, something like a good sense for details. But the thing that surprised me is that I see different businesses, different products, different like these customer avatars, completely different businesses that have nothing to do with each other. But then for some reason, their money flows in a similar percentages, month for month, quarter or quarter, et cetera, et cetera. So of course the dollar values are different, but there's some sort of a pattern of how money flows in the markets. And basically I just started doing a lot of documentation and it was like interesting for me, I was just curious. And only later, maybe two years after I somehow connected all of the dots that like I have a database of this buying intent. It's literally a thing that I semi-invented myself because there's, I guess, not any information out there as much as I know about something that I always talk in my, on the events in my presentations is buying intent and how I track buying intent and how I proactively plan my budgets and my investments ahead of time. And it's all about the timing. It's like the principles are simple. You just have to understand. I always say that people either have their wallets closed or wallets open, right? And there are like economic, seasonal or whatever other factors that does this for majority of people. So our goal is to adapt to the right time because when my wallet is closed and let's say I'm not spending money right now or I don't want to spend that much of money right now, your chances of selling me whatever the product you're selling are lower. On the other hand, if I'm spending money 
doesn't even matter on what I'm spending money. It can be buying apples and it can sell me, I don't know, furniture. The fact itself that I'm spending money gives you a way better chance of selling anything else. Because it's all like psychological, like basic examples. And I'm sure like everyone knows this because it's super simple. But if your customer base is like a middle class audience, like always go and push them right after they get their paychecks because it's this like a hormone like satisfaction that they get after they receive a paycheck after they receive a money especially people that live in a tendency of spending money and like living from salary to a salary right there's a lot of people like that globally and you just have to crack the timing and take advantage of when they're, they they celebrate this feeling that they got the money and they have the urge to spend the money, they have to make sure that you're there to take their money. Because if you're not there, someone else is going to be there. 100%. That's the million dollar question, right? Is how do you distinguish buyer intent? How do you know when somebody is actually ready to buy? As I said, everything started from just seeing the data. And I have like different levels of how I try to track the buying intent. So the general level is just these percentages that I have of how revenue is flowing from month to month. And I have the averages that are my like North Star. And whenever I do projections, that's like my number one thing. The minimum criteria is for me to move with the cash. Is it 20% up, 20% down, 30% up from month to month? That's like my number one thing. And then, you know, from there, you start going into more specific things, seasonal things, holidays. When people are getting their paychecks in different countries, seeing the behaviors of specific account, because again, the, if the audiences are very different, the behaviors can also be different. For example, there's even cases where like different parts of the world perform better in different timeframes of the month. For example, first part of the month, US can perform much better. And then Europe will pick up in the second part of the month. So like a lot of that is analysis and like understanding the unique case of, of your customers. But number one principle is really just those averages that I accumulated from so many accounts. Because like whenever I analyze account, I just take all of their history. If it's active for 10 years, I look at 10 years history of revenue and how revenue was flowing. And if you do this with 100, 200, 300,000 accounts, you'll get the average. You know? What are some of the biggest challenges facing e-commerce brands? in 2023 and where do you see the biggest opportunity for e-commerce brands to grow biggest struggle i think the biggest hurdle this year is going to be economy and economical things and it's not only for e-commerce for everyone buying power gets is decreasing this year and i'm seeing that from my from my data i think the behavior also changes in people a little bit and the winning formula that we see this year in particular is figuring out how you can deliver the same value or more value for less dollars. That's basically what people want nowadays. Because again, part of that was just that e-commerce competition was growing too fast over the last two years, I would say. And there were too many businesses that were playing too much on like the discounts in reducing the prices and all of that. So matching that with a decreased buying power in the economy, we get what we get done. The one secret sauce for this year is just think how we can do the same value for less or even more value for less and just be more creative because of course it's much difficult, but still with smart offers, with smart backend system, we can still make it work. Of course, it's much harder for everyone 
as far as I know, to drive profitable acquisitions. It used to be much, much easier. And at some point, I just have to become, I think, realistic about the situation that those acquisitions don't necessarily have to be profitable. If you have a good product and a good brand and a good backend, you know, all you need to break even. Because again, you know, there's so many companies out there that just played their cards smart last year, secured their like Series A in, in last spring and all of that. And I know some of the companies myself that have a game plan of burning some cash for another two years. So they could take over the market share. When the economy will pick up, they'll be like a sexy account, sexy business for an investor because they'll be look like we just went through the shitstorm and we own the market. So I'd say those are the biggest struggles and uh, opportunities. It's a good question. There's always different opportunities for different types of products, first, or let's say for different audience groups. But what I see overall as the biggest low-hanging fruit is in messaging always because still too many accounts try to sell the product whereas you never try to sell the product you have to sell the desire because the product is just some sort of a tool for you to achieve whatever the desire that is so once you crack more like emotional more psychological levels of and you really understand your customer to like intimate levels like i i like to joke that we have to understand our customer to a level where we know how many times they they have a sex a week. Like basically, to the most intimate possible level, do whatever it takes. But you have to know them as your brother, your sister, or your friend. And once you you start understanding them and knowing them super deeply, that's when you discover these emotional things that are like just much bigger than saying that your product has these features or these benefits or does this or that. Nobody gives a shit about that because whatever your product is, there's hundreds of other people out there with the same exact product yeah maybe some unique small difference but in reality nobody gives a shit you know real quick guys are your messages on social media falling on deaf ears are you having trouble converting those leads from social media well there's a better way to do it and that is by use of a lead magnet something that provides immense value to your target audience that's irresistible and they can't say no the goal here is to get that contact information from your ideal clients off of social media so you can put them into a nurture sequence so they can know, like, and trust you. If this sounds of interest to you, we've done dozens and dozens and dozens of these type of campaigns for our clients and we can help you out as well. Head on over to merged.ca and book your discovery call today. M-E-R-G-E-D.ca. So, so how important is it for an e-commerce product or brand online to have a multifaceted approach to marketing. So not just putting all your eggs in the Facebook ad basket or TikTok ad basket, but having a, an approach that involves SEO, that involves newsletter marketing. How important is it for an e-commerce brand to have those in 2023? Good question. I think it has to be broken down by stage of business, first of all, and by business goal because there are a lot of and it's a trending thing now to start an e-commerce scale it up as quick as possible and exit or at least accumulate like a number of, of brands under your holding company so in those cases not necessarily you always need the diversity right if you have the right product and you have the right like machine and numbers even us ourselves, we have cases where we use only Facebook and Google in, in some cases, and we scale to like from zero to one million a month in the first year, achieving like 3000% annual growth or, or stuff like that. On the other hand, if it's a real brand, because there's like a big difference between an e-commerce account, e-commerce shop, 
and a brand, like a real brand has so many other things that are outside of Facebook ads, TikTok ads or whatever, like brand of voice, like all of those things that I'm not an expert in because I'm more of a performance push Ross and scale guy type of guy. For real brands, of course, diversity is important, especially if there's no quick exit plans. If you're not planning to exit in three, five years and you're going for a long run with this brand, sure, you have to do everything. Like I think the IIS was a great lesson for a lot of accounts when like so many accounts dipped, at least temporarily, when they all of their money was in Facebook and they just couldn't adapt quickly enough to IIS changes back then. And there was like three months of, of going down for all of the guys out there, right? It's I'd like to make it in, sound as an easy answer, but in my head, the way I understand it, it truly depends on stage of business and what's your business strategy. Because again, if you're under one million month in monthly revenue, SEO is not going to be a thing that's going to scale you. And if you want to scale fast and if that your goal is accumulate acquisitions as much as possible to feed your retention, cohorts, and all of that, I guess we always have to do this prioritization. Nine to 10 rule. At least me personally, I like to do the thing that put all of my effort and energy into a thing that will make me give me the fastest and biggest result possible. Because at some point, it will be impossible to do everything. We have to get to a certain level to afford do everything. So now, obviously, and just switching gears to agency now, right? Because you are known as the quote unquote chief or no, not chief growth officer, but your girlfriend's <laughs> favorite growth officer, right? Yeah, so, sure. so if you're focused on growth, obviously growth for clients, but does that also entail growth for the agency as well? Because it's becoming feast or famine for a lot of agencies out there getting new clients. So what's your strategy towards getting new clients in the door for Sugatan? I guess Sugatan as a brand always had some sort of upper hand because of their community. Maybe in the past few years, we weren't that active in building and developing that community, but in the earlier stage of Sugitan, that was like a big part of the business. And thematically, that helped to build the network around the company and around people that work in the company. And nowadays, most of the cases, just people find us themselves and we don't do much of, we don't do any like advertising for ourselves like at all for a while now. It just happens organically, word of mouth, something like that, or you meet people at events, so you talk something, someone needs to help, start developing a relationship, maybe a year after you'll start working with them. So we don't like to call ourselves an agency because our approach is very different. We always work very exclusively with only limited number of accounts because it's hard for us to scale our manpower because our operation systems and the way we do things are very unique. So sometimes even with ad buyers, we can hire an ad buyer from like a top agency that's managing like millions of spend, let's say a month, but for him or her to adopt our principles and now our way of doing things will still take a year or two sometimes. So it's a long process and I guess we just don't have any intentions of scaling the manpower and scaling the labor and scaling the clients because it's quality over quantity and not white source. Awesome. Matas, this has been awesome. If you, if our audience has any questions for you and the best way to get in touch, how can they do that? Instagram. Yeah. Instagram. My name and surname. Matas Kanzura. Easiest way. There you go. Boom. And you, are you a millennial? Actually, I don't know those, like the age groups. Yeah, I think you're on the cusp uh, of millennial and Gen Z. Because how old are you now? You're 25? Five. 25. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in 98. Yeah. It's funny when I ask that question to people on where they can 
reach out to or how to get in touch with them. Depending on their age, I can tell you right off the bat where they're what they're going to say. Most, but most say if you're over the age of thirty, you're saying LinkedIn <laughs> all day long. I used to love LinkedIn, but now uh, nowadays I, I started hating it because everyone is spamming with offers yeah. nonstop. And yeah. I don't know Instagram. Maybe sometimes why I like Instagram is it's more personal and you can develop a relationship mm. much easier with people. Rather LinkedIn is more professional and at least me personally, like I don't I'm not a professional type of guy. I'm like more of a bro type of guy and. It's just better. Yeah, 100%. No, definitely. Okay. I end every episode with the same question. That question is this. If you can choose one person, dead or alive, to represent your brand, who would it be and why? Oh, shit. The funny thing about me is that I don't have any idols or people that I aspire. And I'm not even sure why. Maybe I never properly thought about it, but hard question. I want to say Kobe. Michael and Kobe. If Michael and Kobe had a baby or like a hybrid between Michael and Kobe, I'm a huge basketball fan. And I guess I really love analyzing how Michael Jordan, because MJ and Kobe, they were both leaders and they were both champions, but they had completely different approaches to like team management, how they treat people, how they help others level up. And it was super, super curious for me to to understand their mentality and all of that. And I guess it's their basketball players because I love basketball. Simple as that, probably. Why is because I'm a true believer in that hard work beats the talent and like consistency and dedication and commitment and being afraid to fail. Because the funny thing is everyone, when they think of people like MG or Kobe, they're like, oh, they're champs. They have so many rings. But like, I love the Netflix documentary, The Dream Team. Look at how many times MJ failed before he made and took his first finals. I don't remember the number, but was it like eight years mm-hmm. or 10 years, something like that? It's crazy. <laughs> like, after math is okay, MJ is a champion, seven rings, whatever. But the beginning was tough because it, it took so many years for him to get there. And I really, I just believe in those things because like, I always say that my case is the same. I don't think I had any talent or any magic happened here. It was just a lot of curiosity, a lot of hard work and just wanting to achieve something, get better, like all of those things. So Mambo mentality is a great thing and I love it. And probably that's my, those two guys. Thank you. Those are great examples. Work ethic, leadership qualities, but also the passion for always growing too. Not everybody has that innate passion to to actually grow and always get better. And I think that's that's an important aspect to have, especially even digital marketing or sports. It doesn't matter. It's having the ability to want to grow. Yeah. I love when they, there's like a saying that like a man that loves walking where will walk further than the man that loves reaching the finish or something, something like that. I don't remember, but yeah, like enjoying the process, loving the process. That's, that's a big part too. Love it. Awesome. Mataz, thanks for joining the show. Appreciate you. Thank you, Jason. Real quick, guys. If you are active on Instagram or TikTok, I encourage you to go on over and give my personal profile a follow at jhuntofficial, J-A-Y-H-U-N-T-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Over there on Instagram and TikTok, I'm posting my favorite highlights from the Merged Marketing Podcast, along with some of the highlights from my speaking engagements uh, overseas as well as locally. Ton of value. Go on over and check it out at Jayhan Official. I'd like to thank you for listening to the Merged Marketing Podcast, and I invite you to subscribe so you never miss an episode of the Merged Marketing Podcast. One of the best ways to do that is to add us to your Instagram at Merged Media, M-E-R-G-E-D-M-E-D-I-A. 
Go on over there, give Merge Media a follow and subscribe and never miss an episode. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you soon.